Pride is a cover for major insecurity. Real security can only come from God's love. This is the fifth message in the series, Smart Living. The message is entitled, Be Humble. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. As we continue our series together entitled Smart Living, I want to talk to you today about a very important part of wisdom. I want to talk to you about the value of humility in your life and in my life. We're asking the question in this series, how smart are you? And when we ask that question, the tendency that we all have is to sort of think about our IQ. Well, how smart am I really? Or maybe you think back to taking the SAT in high school, getting ready for college, or maybe a graduate record exam, you're going into grad school, but you somehow you're placed on some kind of a scale that kind of indicated your intellectual ability or capability. But the smartness that I'm talking about in this series really has nothing to do with your intellectual capacity, your academic achievements. It's what I'm calling, or actually what the Bible calls your, I'll use this phrase, your WQ, your wisdom quotient. How wise are you? And the reality is, in all of our lives, we could gain more wisdom. There's a lot of areas in my life, and I'm sure you would say in your life as well, that you are still growing in and need to gain more wisdom in your life. And here's the good news. No matter how low your score might be on the wisdom quotient, the good news is you can improve your score score starting today, that today you can get a little bit wiser. And the way that you and I get wisdom in our life is from God. And God has given us this wonderful book called the Bible, and throughout the 66 pages or 66 uh, uh, books of the Bible and all the different chapters and verses of Scripture, you will find the wisdom of God given to us, and you'll find it given no better place than in the book of Proverbs, because the book of Proverbs literally is a book of wisdom. It was written by a man named Solomon. Solomon was the son of King David. You might recall King David, the sweet singer of Israel, the great king of Israel that served for 40 years in Israel and extended the kingdom of Israel in incredible ways. He established worship in Jerusalem. And we look back on David as such a mighty figure in the Old Testament, but David had a son named Solomon who took his place when David passed away. And Solomon started his reign realizing that he didn't have the wisdom that he needed. And so he prayed a prayer. He asked God, God, I'm asking you for one thing, the very one thing that I need more than anything else is I need wisdom. And the Bible says that God answered his request. And the book of Proverbs is one of the books and one of the places that we find this download of wisdom from God to Solomon and now to us as well. And that's why I really encourage you to make sure that you're reading the book of Proverbs regularly because indeed there are these little short statements that you find in the book of Proverbs that will give you incredible wisdom for your life. In fact, in this series, we're really encouraging you to get into the habit of reading one chapter out of Proverbs every day. We've created a a guide for you. You can find that at church-redeemer.org slash Proverbs or you can simply do what I do. There are 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs, and so uh, you can simply take whatever the day of the month is and read that chapter, and so every month you can literally go through, primarily go through the entire book of Proverbs. For example, today is, uh, is May the 22nd. This morning I read Proverbs 22, and so you can do that. It gives you a good, easy way to do it, but let this be a part of your regular reading in addition to your other devotional readings. Now, today we're going to talk about one aspect of this wisdom quotient. How do you and I 
become wiser? How do we gain wisdom? Let's take a look at the beginning of this book again. Let's see what it says. These are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. Their purpose, here we go, their purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline to help them understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose, he repeats it again, is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives, to help them do what is right, just and fair. These proverbs will give insight to the simple knowledge and discernment to the young. At least twice in this passage, we will find this word, teach. And there's something implied anytime you hear the word teach. No one can be taught unless, I'll introduce another word here, unless they are teachable. You can have a student in a class uh, for an entire year and they would perhaps learn absolutely nothing because they didn't desire to learn. They were not in the mode of learning. And so if we're going to learn something or be taught something, we have to have a teachable attitude, a teachable heart, which in fact is another word for the very word we're going to focus on today, and that is the word humility. That humility is required to even gain wisdom in your life. So I'm going to talk to you today about three things that you and I need to understand about humility and the opposite side of humility so that we can gain a greater wisdom quotient in our lives. Here's the first thing that I want all of us to recognize from Scripture today. The Bible teaches us that pride, which is the opposite of, of humility, what does it do to your life? Pride will destroy your life. Very clear in the Bible that pride is a very destructive force. Back in the early 1960s, medical science began to uh, expound upon a lot of research that was being done and had been done about smoking and cancer. And suddenly it came to the public attention that smoking cigarettes or cigars or whatever, alcohol, whatever tobacco use might have been the case among a lot of people back in those days was creating a real major health crisis in our nation and was causing lots of unnecessary cancer. And so then we found these warnings being put on cigarette labels and, and tobacco products warning this is hazardous to your health or it can cause cancer. And because we were made aware of the reality that something was very dangerous, a lot of people stopped smoking. And a lot of people never started smoking because they realized this stuff is destructive. It's going to at least create the possibility of a shorter lifespan. So they made the decision, this will not be a part of my life. And the thing that helped them do so was awareness. Because they became aware of how destructive tobacco products were then suddenly they said, this is something we don't want in our life. Now I want to draw a distinction from that into our spiritual journey. The reality is in life, oftentimes what it takes in your life, in my life, to make a change in life is to understand how destructive something is to us. And when we recognize how destructive it is, it wakes us up to the reality to say, I don't want that to be a part of my life. I'm willing to make a change in my life because I don't want this thing, whatever it might be, spiritually speaking, I don't want this thing to destroy me. And the Bible teaches us that pride is one of those things that can absolutely do what to your life? It can destroy your life. I'm going to help us to see this 
a little bit more in just a moment, but let me first of all define pride for you so you and I can recognize what pride means. And I perhaps the best way to define pride, and I've used this before, I'll use it again today because I don't think it's, uh, there's any better way to describe it for you. Is to take a look at what, at what is in the very center of the word, and the very center of the word is, is what? I. That's really what pride is. Pride is when you and I are putting I first in our life. When I is what I want, is what I will for my life, it is what I believe to be true about my life in opposition to perhaps what God says about my life, is I thinking that I might be more important than anyone else, is I thinking that I'm better than someone else, is I thinking that I'm owed something that someone else is not owed, is I'm thinking that I'm indispensable in some way. All of those words center around what pronoun? I. So pride is when you and I put the I first in our life. And as I've described before, there's another word in the English language that has I first. Of course, you know what that is, correct? Sin. So in essence, what sin is, is what I want compared to what God wants for my life. And so pride and sin go together. In fact, I would submit to you this morning, based upon what I understand from Scripture, I truly believe that pride is the mother of all sins. That if you really get down to it, as we're going to see in just a few moments, that the, the, one that, the thing that births all kind of sin in your life is this very thing called pride. In fact, let's go back for a moment into ancient, ancient history at the time even before the world was created by God. And we're looking up into the heavenly realms and God and the heavenly realms with his angelic host. And one of those angels was an angel by the name of Lucifer. And Lucifer was created by Almighty God a beautiful creation of God. In fact, from what we understand about Lucifer, this archangel, the worship of God was piped through Lucifer. Everything of worship to God came through him until one day sin or pride was found in him. You can look this up in Isaiah chapter 14. Let me read to you just a little bit of what happens. It's not going to be on the screen, but I will read it for you because it describes the falling of Lucifer the falling of this angel because of pride. The prophet says, How you have fallen from heaven, speaking of Lucifer, morning star, son of the dawn. You've been cast down to the earth. You who once laid low the nations, you said in your heart. This is what Lucifer said. He's in the heavenly realms with God. But now notice what he says. I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned to the mount of the assembly of the, most, of the utmost heights of Mount Zaphon. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most what word do you find showing up time and time again? What is the word? And God says, no, no, this is not what heaven's going to be like. Heaven's not going to be like this. And there in that moment when this was found in Lucifer, God said, no, you're, you're now going to be ejected from heaven, cast down, in fact, ultimately to eternal damnation 
because of this arrogance that is now formed inside of you. And a third of the angels report, uh, re rebe rebelled with Lucifer and were cast out of heaven as well. And this great cataclysmic moment that occurred in ancient history it was not only true of, of Lucifer, but it was also true of Adam and Eve. That when Adam and Eve were placed in the garden, God said, I'm going to give you two trees. To, that One tree you can eat from, the tree of life. There's another tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't, don't eat that tree because if you eat it, you're going to die. And serpent, the Satan, comes along. This one who's filled up with the eye, with the pride. And listen to what he says in Genesis chapter 3, verse 5 to Eve. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And suddenly that idea of being like God appealed to Eve and ultimately to Adam. And they partook of the tree. Why? Because of what? Pride. The mother of all sins. It's very, very destructive. Let me share with you based upon Scripture, why and how destructive pride is. Let's take a look quickly at seven things the Bible says about pride. Pride, first of all, is something that God hates. In Proverbs chapter 6, we see these words. There are seven things that the Lord hates. Very strong word. Seven things that He cannot tolerate. And one of those seven things is what? A proud look. It's not my purpose today to go through all seven, but one of those seven things that God says, I hate and I cannot tolerate is a proud look or pride, as another translation says. Second thing that you note about pride, pride for, prevents us from receiving God's grace to change and grow. All of us need to change and all of us need to grow. Can I get an amen right there? Okay. I certainly do. How about you? Okay. I still need to change. I need to grow. There's stuff in my life that I know still needs to be worked on and changed. And I can't do it by myself. I need the grace of God to change. Amen? Amen. You can't change yourself. Don't think that suddenly you're going to be this better person because you pulled yourself up by your own bootstraps. No, you need the grace of God in your life to change. And pride actually prevents us from receiving the grace of God to grow and to change, to change and to grow. Look at this. I'm going back into the New Testament now. God opposes the proud but shows favor. Or another translation says grace. It's the same word in the original language. Shows grace to the humble. And so if you're going to attract the grace of God, what must be in your life? Humility. So pride prevents us. The third thing that we see here is that pride keeps us from admitting our, our, from admitting our sins, our problems, and our needs. The first step in overcoming anything in your life that is difficult, that's a problem, that's a sin, that is a need in your life, is you have to do what? You got to admit it, okay? And pride just gets in the way of us saying, you know what? I got some issues in my life. I've got some problems in my life that I need to bring to God and bring to God's grace and power. And I'm willing to acknowledge that. But pride says, no, no, no. You can't admit that you're weak. You can't admit that you failed. You can't admit that you have a problem. You can't admit that you have a need. And so because of that, pride keeps us again from receiving the grace of God, receiving forgiveness, and receiving transformation. Proverbs 26, verse 12 says, there is more hope for fools than for people who think they are wise. And oftentimes we think we're wise in the way we're living our life, but there's more hope for a fool than for someone who thinks they don't have any problems at all, don't have any sins in their life, nothing that they need to admit. The next thing the Bible teaches us is that pride sets us up for a 
fall. If you want to fall, let me tell you exactly how to do it. Become proud. Because pride sets you up for this. It just is like a big setup for a fall down. Okay? So pride sets us up for a fall. Look at these, these verses. Pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before a fall. Look at the message paraphrase of this. First pride, then the crash. The bigger the ego, the harder the fall. Can I get an amen right there? Okay. Don't you like the way the message paraphrase says it? The bigger the ego, the harder the fall. The next thing that we see in Scripture is that pride actually ruins relationships. You know what the biggest relationship problem is in people's lives, marriages, friendships, whatever it might be? Pride is. It's not communication. might be a problem. Not finances. might be a problem. But behind it all really is pride because we're not willing to humble ourselves with one another to bring about the necessary healing and reconciliation that's required for relationships to be properly lubricated and properly function as they need to function. There's some people that would never, no matter what happens, they're never going to say, I'm sorry, please forgive me. I was wrong. Why? Because pride keeps them from admitting their failures. The Bible tells us that pride ruins relationships. The Bible says that pride leads to what? Conflict. And it's so very true that oftentimes our conflicts and our relationships point back to, to nothing other than pride. Notice Proverbs 18, 6. Fool's words get them into constant quarrels. Fool's words are proud words, okay? Get them into constant quarrels. They're asking for a beating. Proverbs tells us now in chapter 28, verse 25, greed or thinking about what you're getting for yourself causes what? Fighting, trusting the Lord leads to prosperity. Here's the next thing. Pride makes us blind to ourself and judgmental of other people. Pride is a blinder in our lives. It, it will actually it'll sort of take your spiritual eyes out and it blinds you to you but it opens up your, your judgmental attitudes toward other people. And so you end up spending a lot of time judging others and seeing very little about the needs in your own life or my own life. Look at this verse, Proverbs 21, verse 24. An arrogant man is inflated with pride, nothing but a snooty scoffer in love with his own opinion. Mr. Mocker is his name. And the last one at this point that I will give you is this. Pride can actually... Read it with me. Pride can keep you out of heaven. You know, there are a lot of people that will end up, unfortunately, not experiencing the beauty of God's presence for eternity. They will be separated from the presence of God because they allowed pride to rule their life. They never admitted their need for God or opened their life to God. And so because of that, pride can keep them out of heaven. This is what I'm bringing us to this morning. It's a big caution sign for our lives. Pride is very destructive. Pride will destroy you. It can keep you out of heaven. Proverbs 16, 5. Pride disgusts the Lord. Take my word for it. Proud men shall be what? Punished. So ultimately, if we don't humble ourselves in the presence of God, the ultimate result of that is eternal separation from God. I want us to see today that if you want to be wise, if I want to be wise, we have to realize there's a big caution that God is giving us. Be aware, be careful, be aware of the fact that pride is very destructive. It is not wise to be a proud person. Here's the second point for today. 
pride disguises itself. Here's the problem with pride. Pride is never going to show up in your life and say, hi, my name is pride and I'm here to destroy you. Okay? Never does that. Pride doesn't do that. Pride shows up in your life in very subtle ways for all of us. Very, very subtle ways. And you'll never be able to deal with it, nor will I, unless you and I learn how to recognize it. And, you know, it's a lot easier to recognize it in somebody else than it is in ourselves. Amen? Okay? Oh, it's easy to recognize. Oh, that guy's a proud person. Okay? It's easy to recognize it in someone else, at least to think that we're recognizing it in someone else, when in reality, oftentimes, it's our very own pride that's really the issue or the problem. And so we need to get better. All of us need to get better at recognizing this stuff when it shows up in our life. Why? Because pride, what does it do to you? My first point? What's the first point again? It destroys you, okay? So you don't want this in your life, so we, you and I, it disguises it, so it's not going to come out and say, like I said a moment ago, hi, my name is Pride. It's not going to do that. It's going to come in very subtle, disguising ways in your life and in my life. So we have to pay attention. We have to become far more spiritually sensitive to recognizing it, not in somebody else. Because ultimately, we're not really responsible for where they end up in life, but we are responsible for what's going to happen in our lives. And so how do you recognize pride if it's disguising itself? Well, you have to listen and pay attention to some things. You have to listen to the way you talk because your words can reveal pride in your life. So you have to pay attention to your words and your words reflect your heart. Out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. And so you pay attention to your words. Am I speaking in a proudful way? And is that coming from thoughts of pride in my heart? Am I the most important room, person in the room? Am I the most important person in the world from my perspective? And do my words reflect that? Is that prideful attitude coming out? And I need to pay attention to how I act. How am I acting toward other people? Do I, do I act in prideful, snobbish ways to other people? And, and I need to become aware of this. I need to pay attention. There's something called a spiritual mirror, okay? And by the way, how many know mirrors are good for you, okay? They tell you when you look terrible, okay? okay. They tell you when you got stuff in your teeth, okay? They tell you when, you're, when, you're, when your coat's on crooked, or they, tell, they give you all kind of really important information, okay? And so a lot of us are very careful to look in the mirror. Some of you look in the mirror about every hour on the hour, okay? You were like right in that mirror. But you look in a physical mirror, but God says you got to look into a spiritual mirror. Listen to your words. Are your words sounding arrogant? Hey, hey, pay attention to your heart. Are your thoughts, are they kind of arrogant? Or are you, are you checking up on those? How about the way you're acting toward other people? Are you acting in an arrogant sort of way? You know, so most times we don't even realize it. We're not even aware of it. But it's there. It disguises it itself in our life. How, how do you relate to people in your interaction with people? Do you, do you interact in a prideful way in ways that put other people down instead of lifting other people up? What does pride sound like or look like? In my life, I'm not first and foremost concerned about what it looks like in your life, but I'm first and foremost concerned about what does pride look like in my life? Because it looks a little different in everybody. It doesn't always come across the same way, but it's the mother of all sin. 
You see it in Lucifer. You see it in Adam and Eve. It is the root of all kind of sin in our lives. What are the symptoms of pride? Now, to help you at least think about that a little bit today, uh, I put together a little humility check. You ready for a humility check today? You're going to find it. You'll see on the screen. That's where you can find it, church-redeemer.org slash humility. It's a little, little checkup for you, a little quiz that you can do. So I thought I would do it together with us in, in, in church. Is that okay? All right? You ready? So what you're going to do in each of these little statements that I make is you're going to give yourself a zero. That never happens in my life. A one rarely happens in my life. Two, it happens occasionally. Or number three, it's the usual pattern of my life. So in other words, zero never to usually number three. And so you're going to, when you take this quiz, what you want to do is score yourself on this quiz. Are you ready to hear the questions? Are you sure? Okay. Question number one, I emphasize or exaggerate my title, occupation, positions, or connections when presenting myself to others. Notice the key phrase, I emphasize or exaggerate my title, my occupation, my positions, my connections when I present myself to others. Is that a zero, never, or is that a three, usually? Second of all, having the, la- the best, latest, and greatest is very important to me. It's extremely important that I have the latest, the best, and the greatest stuff in my life. Zero, never, or a three, yeah, it's usually me. Okay. Next one, I seek attention and admiration, perhaps at the expense of others. In other words, I'm going to climb the ladder, and if I have to step on other people getting up on that ladder, I'm willing to do that. And the pattern of my life has shown that. Is that a zero? Or is that on the other end of three, okay? Next one, getting a little deeper now. You all still with me today? You guys still love me? Are you sure? All right. I am easily angered or offended. You know, proud, proud people are easily angered and they're easily offended. Why? Because it's all about them. And so if it's all about me, then I'm going to be looking for any offense against me. And so are you easily angered? Are you easily offended? Is that a zero or is that a three in your life? I don't know. Only you know. Only your hairdresser knows, okay? (laughs) Next one. I have a hard time admitting when I am wrong. Ooh. Zero or three or somewhere in between. Next one, I am never wrong. (laughs) You know you're in trouble if that's a three in your life, okay? Next one, apologizing to others is difficult or impossible for me. Is apologizing easy for you or is it hard for you to do? Next one, being a part of the in crowd is something I strive for often. Zero, three. Next, when I judge people before I really know them. Ooh, wow. How about that one, huh? Next one, there should be more people in the world like me. <laughs> Last one, based on my answers above, I'm highly impressed with my humility. <laughs> if you got a three there, it doesn't matter what you've got on the other ones. You're in trouble. Amen, okay? 
this is just a little silly thing for you to use, but you have to ask yourself questions like this. You have to think about your life in this way because it's, it, pride is destructive and it's very, it, it disguises, it's like a camouflage thing that comes into your life and into my life. So there's something just to be thinking about. Let's go to our last point together today. Third point, humility is what? How many of you want to be healthy in your life? Do you? Okay. I want to be healthy. And so the Bible teaches us that humility is something that helps us to be healthy. It certainly helps you spiritually, and it helps you psychologically. It's much healthier to be a a humble person psychologically. It's certainly important for your even physical body. You can get a, a lot of stress out of your life when your life is not always about you, okay? It diminishes the stress even upon your physical body. So humility is a very healthy thing. So the antidote to pride is, this is what cures pride, okay? So as destructive as pride is, humility is good for you. Humility is excellent for you. Let's review just a couple of scriptures to make sure we're still on that same page again. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. So it's very dangerous. James 4, God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. So again, we're reminded that we need to have this quality in our lives. It's wise to be humble. It is foolish to be proud. And humility, listen closely, humility is not just something that shows up in your life. Humility is something you have to develop. It's a developed quality. You have to work on it. Okay. You got to work on being humble. How do we know this? Well, it's something we're responsible for developing because the Bible teaches us that we're responsible for developing. Let's go back into the New Testament for a moment. So humble. What does it say there? Yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, He will lift you up. Where does God place the responsibility for developing humility? On you and me, right? He says, you got to do this for yourself, okay? It's not necessarily, now God knows how to do it in your life if he needs to, but he prefers for us to respond responsibly and to humble ourselves before God. And so we cultivate this thing called humility. Jesus himself demonstrated this. When you look at the life of Jesus, you see humility in its purest form. The Bible says that he humbled, even though he was God, he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, Philippians chapter 2, but he humbled himself and became obedient to death on a cross, and because of that, God gave him the name above every name. Think about this, the humility of Jesus. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am humble in heart, gentle in heart, you'll find rest for your soul. This is Jesus talking in Matthew chapter 11. So to be like Jesus, we have to cultivate or develop what? And if you're wise, what are you going to develop in your life? If you're going to push pride out and you're going to cultivate 
humility. So here's what I want to do as I wrap up here today is I'm going to share with you some steps that you can take in your life as I try to take them in my life as well. We're all working on this together. There are no perfect angels in the room. We're all working on this together. So let's take a look at some things we can do to humble ourselves, to develop or cultivate humility. Let's take a look at these things together. Number one, you have to learn how to admit your needs in your life, okay? If you're going to cultivate, cultivate humility, you've got to admit your needs. All of us today, as I mentioned a few moments ago, all of us are sinful and broken. Amen. Amen. Everybody, okay. Everybody's sinful and everybody's broken. And so because that, we're all on the same plane, okay? We don't, there's no exalted positions here. Everybody here today, we start out at the same place. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. As I mentioned a moment ago, there are no angels in this room, okay? There are human people who are sinful and broken in various ways and in various dimensions. But the key to finding humility in your life is to admit that, to say, I am sinful, I am broken, I have some issues in my life, I have some problems in my life. I want you to practice with me right now just to say the words, I have some issues in my life. Say it with me. Some of you were like, he has some issues in his life. (laughs) That's not what I said. Okay, let's try it again. I have some issues in my life. Now, that didn't kill you, did it? You're still breathing. You're actually still alive. And guess what you did when you said, I have some issues in my life? You began to attract the grace of God to you just then, right then. In fact, it's so wonderful. Why don't we say it again? I need some more of the grace. How about you? I have some. Come on, together. I have. Now, suddenly you're like, you're opening yourself up to the possibility now of God doing something because he doesn't have to break through your stubborn, rotten, dirty, stinking pride to try to get to your issues because you've already told him, I got some issues, okay? So now you've opened the door for God to begin to work. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Admit your needs, not somebody else's. Admit your needs. Second thing, be what? Teachable. You're never going to learn anything unless you're teachable. So I'm admitting I have some needs. Now, I need to learn some things in my life. I need to learn some things that are going to help me grow. I want to receive. I want to listen. I want to be taught. I want to be helped. I want God to help me to understand the things that I need to understand through whatever situations of life that I need to learn them. But I want to be a teachable person. I want to be a good student of God. Amen? Okay? Good students are teachable. They're, they're humble. Okay? They say, I don't know everything. Prideful people say, you can't teach me anything. I already know it all. Okay? But humble people say, there's a lot of things I still need to learn. A lot of things I still need to learn. Third thing is surrender your will to God. What that means is this. It means to stop being on the throne of your own life and running your own life. Stop it. Okay? You're not smart enough to be your own God. I'm just telling you that. You're a lot dumber than you think you are. Okay? Just, and so am I, okay? Every one of us are, okay? We think we're so smart and we can figure stuff out. No, you can't. You need God in charge of your life, okay? Because God can take you where you can't take yourself. God can do for you what you can't do for yourself. But you've got to get yourself out of the way. And that means giving up to God and saying, God, what I want more than anything else in my life is I want your will for my life. 
I want to be surrendered to you. I'm going to t- surrender means you take your hands off. If you're a law, law enforcement person here today, you understand if you're making an arrest, what you're looking for is you're looking for compliance in the person that you're arresting, right? Correct? Okay. Any law enforcement people here? You're looking for compliance, and as soon as you have compliance, the easier it is on the person that's being arrested, right? Life goes a whole lot easier when there's compliance. Well, God wants to arrest us in a good sense to bring us into his purpose for our lives, and he's just saying, would you just let me put the handcuffs on you? Just stop fighting, okay? Would you just, would you just surrender? Would you just comply? Would you let go of the hardness inside of you and the resistance? Would you stop fighting with me? Just go ahead and say, yes, Lord, whatever you want for my life. In the church, we used to sing a song. Some of you know, all to Jesus I surrender. Come on, everybody. All to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him. In his presence daily live. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. See, when God can't get you to say it, lift it up. When God can't get you to say it, he tricks you by getting you to sing it. Right? You just said, I surrender all, okay? Be grateful. Humble people are grateful people. Proud people are, are entitled people. I deserve this. Okay. But humble people realize that whatever they have in life, that they, that they haven't gotten there by themselves. Do you know that whatever blessing you have in your life right now, you got it because of some other people that helped you get where you are today in your life, okay? Number one, God helped you get where you are in your life. So any blessing you might have in your life, stop sort of patting yourself on the shoulder saying, I'm awesome. No, you're not. You're blessed, okay? You're blessed by a God who's taken care of you and blessed you along your journey. And some of you are where you are today because your parents sacrificed for you to have what you have today. You would not be where you are had it not been for parents who worked two or three jobs just to put food on the table for you, and mama that went out and worked extra jobs and took extra things in to try to make sure you had food on the table and an education, and some of you uh, uh, were able to go to college and nobody else in your family ever went to college before. Why? Because somebody made a way for you when you had no way in your life. And so you you say, I'm I'm, 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 I'm amazing. I got my college degree. I got my graduate degree. I'm somebody. No, you're not. You're blessed because somebody helped you get where you are in your life today. And so humble people stop and they step back and say, Lord, I thank you and I bless you and I praise you and I give gratitude to you for the fact that I'm where I'm in by by the grace of Almighty God. You're sitting in chairs today that many of you didn't pay for. Other people paid for them years ago so you could come to church today and celebrate and worship together. We're in a building today because somebody else paid for it 20 years ago. So 
that we could build a building on Woodfield Road or in Frederick there. We have that beautiful campus there in Frederick. Why? Because somebody made a way so you could have a way in your life. Why why don't you just be thankful for what God has done for you instead of being arrogant and proud and all about who you are. No, it's not about you. It's about what's gone before you. Man, I'm getting ready to preach. I'm just getting started right now. I'll save the rest of it for the one o'clock, okay? Okay. Want to be humble? What do you got to do? Serve other people. Proud people serve themselves. Humble people serve other people. What can I do for you? How can I lift your life? How can I make your life better? How can I be a blessing to someone else? And serving is a discipline. It's something you have to, you have to create. A dis, you, you're not going to always have a desire to serve. All of us have the desire to be served. Are you with me? That's the natural desire. Serve me. I want my breakfast in bed and my coffee just a certain way. And I, you know, I, can, go, I can create my list and you can too, right? Serve me. But God says, no, no, well, time out. No, wait a minute. You want this thing called humility because pride... It'll destroy you. So you better cultivate this humility thing. And how do you do it? You do it by, by serving, by serving in ways that bring little or no attention to you. See, people can serve, but they can serve for the wrong reasons. Real service is not about anything you get out of it. It's about what you impart to someone else. One of the most amazing stories in the Bible, one of the most amazing stories, it, it It baffles me every time I think about it. Jesus, on the night that he's going to be betrayed by Judas, arrested and beaten to a pulp, falsely accused, thrown into a dungeon, crucified the next day, he knows all of that's going to happen to him. He's aware of what's going to happen. He's about to go to the Garden of Gethsemane where this is all going to occur. And he's in an upper room with his disciples. And they're sharing a meal together. And before the evening concludes, Jesus does something that is absolutely incredible that shows who he was. The Bible says because he loved his disciples and wanted to show them the full extent of his love, he took off his outer garment and he girded himself with a towel. And he knelt down And he washed the feet of all 12 of his disciples at that time. He washed the feet of Judas, who was just a few moments from them going to betray him. He washed the feet of Peter, who would deny him. But he went around and washed every one of those feet and said, If I, your master and servant, have done this, so must you also. Humility is about serving other people. Let's take a look. I believe this is the last one. Receive and rest in God's love. How do you cultivate humility? You realize that you don't have to earn God's love. You don't have to earn anything from God. His approval. It's not about who you are or trying to be something big and fancy and smart and capable and all those kind of things. It's great for you to develop your capacities and your abilities, but at the end of the day when you get before the Lord, you're realizing it's not about me anyway. I'm secure not because I achieve. I'm secure because I receive. I receive the love of God in my life. I don't earn it. 
I'm given that love. And so I don't have to do anything. I don't have to drive a certain kind of car to be cool. I don't need to be cool. I'm already cool. Jesus says I'm cool. Amen. Okay. Okay. Are you with me? All right. I don't have to do anything to make myself be something because I'm already something. I'm a child of God. How could I be more than that? Okay. I don't have to do anything to have somebody love me. I'm loved. I'm already loved. If you don't like me, that's your problem. Okay. Because I'm loved. I'm bask. I bask in the love of God. I'm loved. I don't, I don't have to have your love. and I want it. We all want that love from one another. But we're secure. And so what that does for you is it puts you in a situation of making life no longer about you. But living life to the glory of God. Amen. What does pride do to you? Destroys you. What is pride? It's very deceptive, is it not? Okay. It's not going to show up and say, hi, I'm here. You have to pay attention. You have to start looking for it in your life. And you and I need to cultivate the spirit of humility. That's what wisdom is all about. Bow with me if you will in prayer. Father, thank you that you love us so much that you remind us of things that are dangerous to our lives. Lord, all of us have fallen prey to pride. Not a single one of us here that have not fallen into that pit. Sometimes we fall into it very frequently. We're grateful that you love us enough to help us to get back out again, get restarted in our relationship with you. So we ask you to forgive us. Lord, we come today humbling ourselves before you and praying that we would live in the spirit of humility in our lives always and do it for your glory and for your honor. In Jesus' name. I would like to close today by giving you an opportunity to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Would you pray with me right now? Right where you are, just simply bow your head with me and I'm going to give you a prayer to pray and you can simply speak this prayer out, whisper this prayer out and from the sincerity of your heart, call upon God and I promise you that He will hear and answer you. So let's pray together. Start by simply whispering the name Jesus. Let there come uh, from your heart just the declaration of His name. Say, Jesus. I know that, that I am a sinner, that I have fallen short with you. I'm sorry for all of my sins. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you are God's Son. I believe that you are the Savior of the world. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you rose from the grave, that you are alive today. Now pray these words. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a new start in you. I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says that when we call upon God's name, we call upon the Son of God, there is salvation that comes to our lives. He changes us from the inside out and you become a new creation. All things pass away. All things become new. And that's exactly what has happened to you today. Your next step really is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church. And you begin to study God's Word, get God's Word in you, and to make sure that you get a copy of the Bible if you don't have one and begin to read it. Spend some time every day in prayer. 
And I would encourage you also to check out the resources on our website that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. You can find them at church-redeemer.org. Get those into your hands. Get started in your new life with Jesus Christ. Thanks again for joining us today. May God bless you, and we look forward to seeing you next time.